from Shit Stain Studio in Windsor, Connecticut. It is the Sunderblock. My name is Dr. Yellick. I've got my friends here. Slim and Buchanan. Mr. James Flynn, a.k.a. Slim James Evans. And today we are going to be talking about some hip-hop related things, some hippie hops. Um, <laughs> some heads. Some heads. Talking about some hip- hippie hop head stuff. Uh, first order of business, we are going to be talking about the Meek Mill versus Game scenario are we um, are we jumping right into this we're, we're gonna jump right into it because we don't have much else to talk about this week fair enough um i'm gonna give you guys a little background on this apparently sean kingston i don't know if you guys remember sean kingston the yeah, guy yeah, who yeah. sang um beautiful girls yeah, I don't know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. from like 2007 something like that yeah 2007 did i that ever tell you right. guys that I, I had a personal encounter with sean kingston oh Where? did you i did um my high school participated in uh mtv made yeah and so everybody went to the office to sign up and meet with the the agents and they all asked to be different stuff like what one person wanted to be a juggler or some shit and the other person wanted to be like a juggalo yeah something like that and uh you know they all picked different stuff and eventually they leveled with one of them and said look if you pick fucking break dancer all right then you're gonna get it and so, like, three kids, after the facts, picked Breakdancer. And um, they basically ended up giving him uh, backup dancing classes. And Sean Kingston was the celebrity judge for the episode. Right. And they, they held the whole thing in the auditorium. So the first thing that you have to realize about Sean Kingston in person is that the man is literally eight feet tall. Yeah. And fucking 900 pounds. Okay. He is the biggest human being I've ever seen. And I, I don't I, I don't mean that in like a fat joke. He's just huge. I didn't know he was that big. He looked kind of small. He might have like elephantitis of his entire body. He's gigantic. Right, well, do you know who Game is? I do know who Game is. Well, apparently, according to the uh, according to the rumors, Game or somebody from Game's camp or something like that called Sean Kingston over uh, to his area and hit him in the side of the head with a bottle and took his chain. <laughs> what? That that that's what the that that's what uh, rumors say, and apparently, Meek Mill called up Sean Kingston and told him, "Game set that up. You need to call the cops or something like that." I actually uh, I read something a little differently that Kingston had his chain stolen. The chain, by the way, is worth three hundred thousand dollars. I don't right. know if you know that. Right. Um, I read that it was perpetrated at a party. That both had attended. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh okay. The, 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 uh, they called him over to their area, and once he was over there, they hit him in the side of the head with a bottle and took his chain. See, I thought this was a situation where they just got him really drunk. Um, it maybe, but that was the story that I heard. Fair enough. Continue. Anyway, uh, so according to uh, Game or or whoever else, uh, Meek Mill called up Sean Kingston. He was like, "Oh." Uh, the, the game set that up. Uh, he set that up on you. It was, it was his fault. You need to call the cops or something along those lines. 
and then Meek Mill or Sean Kingston called the cops, you know, with the information given to him by Meek Mill. Game found out, and that's what started this. Game, game was like, oh, yeah, Meek Mill's a snitch. He's telling, you know, telling people to call the cops and giving them information on me and shit like that. And that's basically, yeah, that's how this started here. And then, you know, they traded some diss tracks. And uh, not much has happened since then. Well, uh, actually, as of today, a couple things happened, actually. Uh, yesterday okay. and today. Right. So, after... Meek and Game exchange their their blows, you know. Nothing too interesting there. Drake came out and started supporting pretty heavily Game's new tape. Right. Um, saying hey, even took the diss track uh, ninety two and put it out. Said hey man, check it out. You know, typical Drake shit. Yeah. And um, also, if I'm not mistaken, Nicki Minaj was dragged into this due to games like incessant posting trying to to goad meek out into like some sort of internet rehash yeah but um so drake jumped on this bandwagon i'm assuming because of the beef with meek mill uh when was that again when he that's probably like a year ago yeah, there's still bad blood there. Or a yeah. little bit. It's I thought it was a little less than a year ago. It was pretty it was, recent. Maybe it was. It was the summertime, remember? Was it? It was like oh. last summer, I'm thinking. Okay, so... You know okay, what? yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, like, it's like a year. All that shit. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, so this is this is my whole interpretation on this thing. This whole thing is, is just game promoting his album, and that's all it is. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds about well, right. Well, let, <laughs> me, let me tell you. Like his... Even more happened. What what else happened? So after all this, if if you've seen the cover, the album art yeah, for 19, Game's new tape, it's pretty provocative. It, it it's definitely got a lot going on that that people looking at current events uh, can resonate with. You know. Yeah. Um, that's the one with like it had the uh, the gang members on it. Gang members, cops, uh, a black guy with a, a gun to his head, you know. Just, just a lot of conflict going on. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, the art style resembles uh, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg, at least for the Not cover. only does it resemble Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg, one of the bloods, actually I think both of the bloods resemble Snoop Dogg pretty heavily. I think it's kind of funny. It might be purpose, it, it might be uh, coincidental. But the the main point, what I'm saying here is, Today, roughly like eight hours ago, when I was researching all this, Game made a statement saying that given the events of the Tulsa shooting, if you're not aware, there was there was a police shooting in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, he finds that the beef with Mill is counterproductive to unifying the black community. Yep, I read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I think he's trying to like pull it back together, and at the end of the day, all it really did was give... Him, Drake, Meek, and Minaj publicity. But he said in reaction to the Tulsa shooting? Yeah, after the Tulsa shooting came out, he said, this feels uh, ridiculous, I I feel conflicted, Um, I shouldn't be uh, fighting with... Basically, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but like, I shouldn't be fighting with my people. Alright, so, game is a hypocrite. So, (laughs) keep the facts straight. This move is strictly just to promote his album. 
Oh, clearly. I don't see it as anything else. Like, who the fuck cares if Meek Mill snitched on him? And realistically, like, just considering the character of Meek Mill, that doesn't sound like something he would do. Like, you think Meek Mill, like, really, Meek Mill called up Sean Kingston and said, call the cops to get his chain back? <laughs> that doesn't even sound like it makes any fucking sense. Like, why no. would he do that? Right. And I don't know, like... You think uh, the cops are going to fucking arrest game? Yeah, like, no... Over no, a rumor? Yeah, no one even cares about that. Like, when, when uh, people hear the beef, no one's like... They're like, yo, man, Meek really snitched on him. No one cares about that at all. No. Yeah. And um, for, for Game to, like, sit back after the Tulsa shooting and say, yeah, man, well, that that's fucked up. You know, that's kind of a... Fuck that. What Dude, the fuck are you talking about? Are you about? trying to tell me that Game orchestrated the Tulsa shooting? <laughs> <laughs> I think, if anything, I think, if anything, um, uh, rap feuds that are kept on wax are a positive thing. Yeah. Because it's like a battle of words. And and, yeah. and while we're on that, um, I, I listened to the two main diss tracks. I listened to um, the one that I, I, I've, I've heard both of Game's diss tracks. I've heard 1992, but the one that I've heard most extensively because I heard it yesterday on the radio twice and I also heard it again today was uh, was Pest Control. And yeah. it was actually, uh, it, it went pretty hard. And I also heard Meek's track. And after listening to both of them, and I've got to be honest here, Meek is a better rapper than Game. Meek is a more technical rapper than Game. Uh, his flows are more uh, are more technical. His his flows are more dexterous, and his rhyme schemes are more complicated. I I've just got to say that. And also, uh, I I heard there are some really corny lines in Game's thing. Like one of them I heard was literally literally one of Game's lines was. Um, you have cops coming to my door like they picking up mail or something like that. And That's I was like, lame. like I, just the most, like, I'm not even going to say a half-baked punchline, like a quarter-baked punchline. Uh, he didn't even make it to the oven. He didn't even make it to the oven. And that that was I, that was kind of a cringy moment for me when he said that. Um, overall, I don't think Meek is really coming from much of an angle here because he's the one who supposedly snitched and uh on top of that he basically got cooked by drake a year ago so he doesn't really he, <laughs> that he did there's not really much it, there's not really much that he has on game his his main uh content against game is that game is a male stripper like he literally says that like 50 times in the song uh but i don't really see anything wrong with somebody getting paid like to because women like how they look like yeah, that's, right. If anything, that's kind of like a, a good thing. But content-wise, Meek Mill doesn't really have anything uh, on game, and game has stuff on Meek Mill. But as rappers, uh, technically speaking, I think Meek, Mill, uh, Meek Mill's track was better here. No, I'm going to go out and just put this out here. I'm a little biased because I, I have game's entire discography on my computer. Right. And on a million separate occasions, I'm like, all right. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to a game album and I'm going to get a feel for this artist. I'm going right. to understand his 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 style and everything. And I can't make it through like the first fucking half of the album. Not a, not even like the big the first one, like the documentary or Dude, I I can't fucking do it. I just don't know what it is. It's I I put it on and I'm just like Oh, all right, and I, I'm fucking done. Like I'll I'll finish a fucking Wale album before I finish the game. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Yeah, I mean, game. He's always been like a, a decent artist. I'm a decent rapper, but like just an okay artist. Like when it comes to putting together albums, all his albums are at least like 75 minutes, which is way too long unless it's like a really good concept album. If you're gonna go that far, it has to be great. Yeah. So I, I can hear you on that. Like I, I listened to like a couple of his albums. I liked maybe the first two, but after that, he just kind of started biting whatever like rap style was hot at the time. 
So Game is way past his prime, and that's why he's digging at Meek Mill just to get some attention. Because, you know, without it, who the fuck is checking for this album? I mean, I, I saw a picture of Game when I was looking all this shit up, and he looks like shit, dude. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen a picture of him recently. He, he's like, if you can picture the quintessential neckbeard who's just like, he looks like he goes to Wingstop every other day. Like, talking about him being a male stripper, not anymore, dude. He just described Game as the quintessential neckbeard. <laughs> I mean, he got he has a neckbeard now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly, like I really don't even care about either of these rappers like that. Like, give a fuck. I heard both the disc track, uh, disc records. I didn't hear Pest Control. I heard Game's first one and then Meeks. I didn't really give a fuck about either of them because I don't really. My thing was like he responded to Game this fast, but it was that Drake shit. He didn't respond to like another six months. He's intimidated. Though. Yeah, so it's like that's kind of crazy. Like you would think he would have responded to Drake faster. That was, that was my thing. That's the only thing that stuck out. I'm like, why didn't you come at Drake like that then? J- Game has become a, a, like a Joe Budden-esque figure who yeah. is just known <laughs> for just like, yeah, who's just known for any time somebody slights him, he uses it as an opportunity to diss them for for publicity. Joe Budden has been doing that since the early 2000s, and so has Game. Uh, he even, he 50 Cent put him on, and remember the, the, the first beef he got into was with 50 Cent. Yeah, then he got... Removed from the group or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so game has done a lot of stuff like this before. Um, it to me, he ended up. He kind of ended up looking like an ass. Uh, well, they both ended up looking like asses. Yeah, uh, less so Meek Mill because he really he didn't do anything to initiate it really, unless the allegations are true about him snitching. Um, and he ended up coming back with a diss track that was, in my opinion, better than Game's diss track. The thing about Game is he puts out so many bars, and he and he rarely has quality control. I remember in about in like 2011 ish, 2012, he put out a song called like 300 Bars or something like that. And it's just he the reason he can put out so many bars is that the quality of his writing is not much different than the quality of his speaking. So he, he's just kind of, there's not really like a selective process there. He's just kind of speaking and rhyming and he's just gotten he's gotten so uh, so into that routine of just coming up with rhymes and stuff like that. It's almost like he's freestyling, you know, but a little bit slower so he can write it down. Mm, yeah. OK, I, I guess I understand that. And maybe that's why he doesn't really appeal to me as an artist. It's just because he's like kind of humdrum, you know, like he's just yeah. kind of s- slower and. Whatever you, I, I like artists that are more like Aesop Rock. They have a little more speed to them. They have a little more, uh, I, I guess, punch. The density of what he's saying is 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 on the lower side, and, and maybe what you're saying is like you prefer people who have uh, just a higher density of things going on with what yes. they're saying and what's going. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, and I, I agree with that. And also just his production choice, because like back in like 05, 06, like he had like Kanye beats and stuff, and those like he had like his best songs. Like you remember, wouldn't get far. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, classic. Like, That's one of yeah, my favorite. Like Kanye shit games. like that. Like he was even like if you hear the raps back then. He's not even rapping the same anymore. Like he doesn't even sound like the same rapper anymore. But like I don't know. I guess yeah. Now that he's like he's off G Unit. Just ever since he left G Unit, it was like the worst possible thing for him. Because <laughs> none of his albums have any replay value. Like I don't listen to any of his fucking albums. Like me neither. I so think, what you're saying is, G U not. Yeah, yeah. G U not for real. I mean, G Unit's <laughs> dead. You know, they died like not too soon after that. But, you know, I think they may have lasted a little longer had he stayed. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know, onto this game out in 1992, I don't think I probably want to hear it. I think I, I know I don't want to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely don't want to hear it. If it comes out, I'm obviously going to review it for the podcast. Yeah. But it'll be a struggle. It's going to be a you hard You guys week. might have to, like, tie me to a chair and fucking <laughs> nail some earbuds in my skull. 
Yeah, no, like, it feels mutual. Reverse crucify me. Yeah. Make me the documentary. I'll be the same glass fucking painting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then to be honest, I've never heard a, uh, a Meek Mill album before. Uh, he's not really the the kind of artist that I usually go for. Just kind of like mixtape. I've always seen him as kind of like a generic mixtape rapper, mm. and I usually don't go for that sort of rapper. Uh, but Meek Mill. Uh, his voice sounds better than it used to because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I heard his diss track towards Drake, and it sounded like he was just kind of yelling. You could barely understand what he was saying. And that's it was his just style, kind of just yelling. Yeah, well, but I mean, not not so much now. It's a bit more toned down. That's what I mean. You you could clearly hear like the words he was saying in this one, and that and that. Uh, if that's his new style, or if he's gonna kind of go with that, then he gets points for me. I mean, yeah, that's like like you said, you haven't heard his last album. I think it was called Dreams and Nightmares. Like yeah. that one, like was more toned down. You could really hear everything he was saying, as opposed to like his first one. Uh, what the fuck was the first one called? No, no, the first one is called Dreams and Nightmares. The second one is Dreams Worth More Than Money. I mean, I don't really fuck with the titles. They're kind of stupid. Right. But like the first one is like screaming. The entire time with some auto tune on there. Um, yeah. But you know that this his last song wasn't that bad. I listened to it maybe a couple months ago. It's decent. It's yeah. not great, but it's it's okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe his next album I'll check out. Um, you know now that we're on the podcast thing, we're we're checking out albums that are important. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, fucking. You gotta hit this shit, man. Fucking Kanye replied to Cuddy the other day. No. Again, he was like, um, I guess he was like, you know, Cuddy's my brother. He said he's he said K Cuddy is the most influential artist of the past ten years. Oh no! It sounds like he's covering his ass to me. Yeah. Who, who he's covering Cuddy's ass? Sounds sounds like to me like Kanye is is kind of like. Uh, I'm gonna. Why have you to... gotta do this, Cuddy? And then he's just like, "Oh, uh, okay, maybe." Because people are really kind of shitting on Cuddy right now, and well, just to make kind of Cuddy I, not I, look like. I, so I have to disagree with you, man. Because I, look, this is one of those things where West is—he's doing his thing. Remember when he's like, "I'm a rock star. I am a god. Yeah. I'm the most influential icon in the game." Whatever the fuck he says, but it's all the same shit, you know. I'm the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is coming from a place of some pretty severe sarcasm, some pretty severe irony, where I think he means this to be about himself rather than Cuddy. Oh, I when think, he says that? Yeah. I mean, he said that about himself so many times. I feel like he could have just, he would have just said it about himself, but that's what he felt. Yeah, but he's, <laughs> he's probably feeling a little like, like, okay, imagine... The littlest kid on the place playground, the playscape, comes up to you and he's just like talking mad shit. Yeah, you're just gonna be like, are, camp, you, camp are you? Are you gonna just all over again? Is, is, like, Kid Cuddy, is Kid Cuddy this little kid? Yeah. So like, imagine you're West and Kid Cuddy, who's doing nothing of value whatsoever, like not even close to you. He's coming over. He's like, hey man, I'm gonna, I'm the most influential rapper, and you, you're just bad, and you don't even know it. Are you gonna like straight up deck this kid, or are you gonna be like, huh? Okay. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, yeah. but the reason that I think uh, I think that he's not being sarcastic was because that his initial response was negative, and he kind of backtracked. His initial response, you know, was I can't believe it. I feel so hurt. Um, I, you know, I'm the reason that you're famous because I signed you. Do you know how many people, uh, you know, would give anything to to be in the position that you're in because I signed you to good music i feel hurt you should we should be respecting each other blah 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 and then you know this is like a week later 
where he's like, you know what? Cuddy's my brother. He's an influential artist. You know, don't shit on him. Yeah, I, I guess. You know, I, I do ignore the fact that they've worked together for a while and that they do have a history. So maybe I'm just being a little bit jaded. But I mean, honestly, Cuddy was very out of line, very out of bounds. And I, I don't usually say anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm typically very, you know, no strings on me. You don't owe allegiance to anybody. But right. in this case... I think Cuddy really over... He bit the hand that fed him. He overstepped his bounds. And he thought he was a lot bigger than he really was. Yeah, and, and to be honest, uh, really his only option now is to let the music speak for himself. Uh, let the music speak for itself when his album comes out in the next... Uh, what, by the end of the month, hopefully? Yeah, some point this month. Which it won't. If it's good, <laughs> if, if the album is good, well... Rumor has it he's working with the older producers he used to work with. Yeah, but, so, but we're not. I don't think people are looking for good because he kind of set the standards high when he came back, Kanye. I think people want some great shit. But, but the I'll thing take is, good. I'll take good, and I think I mean, everybody else will. Yeah, <laughs> based cool on his last four projects, I think good is fine because his last four projects were awful. Yeah. So I, I, if if this album is good or great, somewhere in that range, yeah, he can maybe kind of recover from this if the next album sucks or it's anything like the ones that he's been releasing then he's pretty much done like in the public consciousness like he's not there's not much uh, further he can go yeah, he's, it's gonna he's be 90 minutes long hanging so. on the ledge by like the last three fingers <laughs> and Kanye just like stepped on the third one I feel like yeah I feel like that I feel like he already fell uh, when he released that that that, that rock album um, what, what was it with like Judgmental s- Cunt Speed and bullet Speeding to bullet heaven. To heaven. Bullet I, to heaven. I feel yeah, like yeah, he yeah. already fell when uh, when he did that, and and hip hop's just kind of like, all right, you gave us man on the moon, you know, lowering a rope for him. De- Death grips to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> hey, uh, what if I just got a drummer and a guitarist together, and then I just scream over it? That's a thing, right? I mean, he's a guitarist on the album. He does. Oh, he, is he? He well, did all the instruments. Yeah. Damn, I guess he's. Uh, he doesn't have like a, a knack for it. A big it. fucking cunt. Yeah, judgmental cunt. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I apologize. That was out of line. So uh, I, I took a look at the Billboard this week. Uh, Broccoli is no longer number one. No, it's actually needed me by Rihanna now, and number number two is is now Big Dram, and then pretty much. Uh, all of the other top ten songs are Drake songs. Each you could probably imagine. I... I don't... Okay. So I just want to make a quick aside here. I don't want to get too, too into it just because it's not a major issue. But yeah, sure. Have you ever seen the... the comparison between an interview with Rihanna and one of her music videos where she goes... Uh, they're, they're asking her about the writing process. The writing process? The writing, the writing process. process. <laughs> you know, the quote-unquote quote writing process, the, the creative process. She goes, I just, sometimes I really had to take a step back because these these lyrics were so deep. And then it just cuts to her going, cake, 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 or whatever. Like, you know, rude boy, come on, get it up. Like... Rude boy, come on, get it up. I mean, to be fair, those are the singles, and I'm sure there are deeper cuts on the album. Well, you haven't listened to them? No. You haven't listened to the Rihanna album? Rihanna's album is just the stupid bitch anthem. That's what, Rihanna, that's what Rihanna's music is. I've heard that anti is good, though. I've heard that she went more experimental on that. 
but I can't confirm. I know a few. Was that the one where, that? where she swam from the ship to the sea? The ship to the sea. Wait, what song are you talking about? We're talking about that, her new album, Anti. Yeah, her, yeah, her new album. Okay, so I know a couple girls personally that enjoy that album, and they're both stupid bitches. Oh, okay. This is a stupid bitch anthem. They're right. not the exception. It's the stupid bitch anthem. Her lyrics are really fucking trash. Like the fucking the work, the chorus or work, work. That's it. That, I like that chorus. That man. shit's garbage. Work, 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 it's work, catchy, work. but they ain't gonna tell me that's good writing. It's I, for a chorus to me. It doesn't really need to be like what you know. What's the chorus of "Real" by Kendrick Lamar? I'm real. I'm really, really real. That doesn't sound lazy. Hers sounds lazy. I honestly, I think it's really. Lazy I yeah. think it's. I think to be honest, I think that there are, there are a lot of criticisms you can put on Rihanna, but the work chorus is one of the better part uh, as a highlight of her career recently to me. I like the. I like personally the, the work chorus. The, the chorus. Just because a, it's I'm not so, saying it's not a catchy song. It's a catchy song, but you're not going to tell me that it's good writing. That's no, my thing. Not. I'm saying it's bad writing. Obviously, Rihanna's not writing any of her music. The fucking A&R is coming down and said, listen, we, got, we got a song. You have a single fact to back <laughs> that up. I never watched any of her interviews. And I probably never will. I never even thought to like watch a Rihanna interview. I didn't even to, watch like, it get, on get in depth on like the, the life of Rihanna. Because like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> MTV Cribs Rihanna. Care. Well, speaking of Rihanna, um, apparently uh, Drake and Kanye West, I've heard this a few times over the past few months, Drake and Kanye West might be working on an album. What the fuck does that have to do with Rihanna? (laughs) Oh, well, uh, I guess Drake is dating Rihanna. No shit. Yeah. Good. I want to say good for him. I won't allow myself to, but I want to. I I feel I, 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 I say good for him. I mean, good for him on like a an Us Weekly cover page kind of way. <laughs> yeah, that relationship probably was not gonna last. No, because I mean, Rihanna's like the Taylor Swift of hip hop. Yeah, I'm hoping that relationship ends really, really sour, and it inspires Drake to make some great music. Like, I'm hoping it gets him like his 808s and heartbreak. Kind what if of she shit, like you know gets saying? all crazy, comes at him with a butter knife, and cuts one of his testicles off? What testicles? What? Yo. This just in, we, just, we got Dr. Yellow Drake Beef, man. We got a diss track coming. We got uh, 93 Lines coming out uh, this Monday on the 1993 uh, album. Yep. Next few weeks, I'm going to be dropping one di- uh, Drake diss track. One dick? <laughs> Drop a dick? Man. I don't even know how I feel about this, this Drake and Kanye collab album. You know, like, I want it to be dope, but I, I can't say I ever listen to any collab album often. Yeah. Never. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there, bud, because I I had Jay Z Lincoln Park Collision Course on loop for <laughs> oh, most of high school. Man. That shit's fucking garbage. It's, it's a, what it's are bad. you talking about? I oh, gotta man. say, uh, I've got to agree with CJ. That's just a joke, man. When I heard that shit, I'm like, fuck Jay Z for that. I'm mean, I get it. I, I get it. He's just getting paid. Um, so I look, mean, that's cool I, with that. I am the first to admit that Lincoln Park has not aged well, if at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, they haven't. Aged. I don't even listen to Lincoln they're, Park. They're so still I fourteen. I don't really have too much <laughs> to say much, about yeah. Lincoln Park. But if you look at just like any collab album from any hot artists or rap stars, right? Watch the Throne came and went, whether you liked it or not. It I came really like that. It album. Came, yeah, but it came and went. It did. Good, good or good or bad, it came and went. That's sitting. That's still sitting <laughs> high on my shelf. It's got some cobwebs on it. But it's still high on my shelf. Yeah, no, I liked a couple songs on there. I liked I liked Otis. Um, I gotta say, I feel like um, that was. Uh, uh, 
fucking uh, throwaways from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. That album? I feel like that it seemed like there was a lot of filler on there. I really didn't like that album that much. I like Murder to Excellence was one of my favorite beats of that year. It had a lot of songs on it. The deluxe edition, yeah. Murder to Excellence is one of my favorite beats of the year. Otis was one of my favorite beats of the year. Otis was good. Um, I, I, I liked a lot of the tracks on there. Um, it's a very most Kanye, of it I didn't like. It, it's a very Kanye West sounding album. Very and Kanye some West Jay-Z sounding Jay Z beats album. on it. Didn't they have what was that one I mean, track on, on there? Yeah. They used it in like a really famous movie when it came out. Yeah, I think that was Otis. Was it Otis? Yeah, yeah. the one that like the the it was just kind of like a really old kind of uh, obtuse sample. No, no, it was one of those Jay Z type tracks. I know it's funny. Like, ball so hard, that shit. Ball so hard. Ball so hard. Okay, that I know what you're talking about. Niggas, niggas in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Niggas in Paris. That, that's, that's exactly what it yeah. was. That's one of the better ones on yeah. there. I think I that mean, one was pretty uh, yeah, catchy. But, yeah. Either way, that album came and went. Totally. And, and then the right. one that Future and Drake did last year, "What a Time to Be Alive." Awful. Had a couple like big hit songs like "Jumpman" and whatever the fuck else people liked on it. Them but, boys up to something. Yeah, like that shit came and went too. So I don't see how. Kanye and Drake, especially fresh off of their past two albums, they're coming off their worst albums of their careers, and I'm supposed to be excited for like <laughs> this collab. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we talk a lot of shit on this podcast. Like, I mean, because we have to. We the, do. No, no, I'm not saying it's a problem. The shit is shit. The shit is shit. You know what I'm saying? I just wonder <laughs> if we get too down on some artists. Like, I, I definitely get way too down on Drake. Now he's coming off his worst album. Right. So was Kanye. Yeah. So but, was Kanye. But the thing is, Jay Z had some pretty shitty albums in the '90s. You know what I mean? He's uh, he, he. What is, in your opinion, the worst Jay Z album? Blueprint Two. Blueprint. Two. It was a double album that came out after Blueprint and kind of after he kind of got yeah, his that morale. Yeah, weak sauce. He got, he got his morale pretty shaken by Nas after Ether. Mm. Um. Uh, was this circa the time he made that diss track about coming on his baby seat? Yeah, Yo, right about, a, about a year afterwards. I remember when that happened, and oh my god, didn't his mom like flip a lid and make his him mom go on told, the radio? His and, mom like, told track it. His mom made him apologize, and, and, oh. and you can tell when he and, and oh. rumor has it Jay Z's story is true, but the fact that he kind of resorted to that that's did, how you know he's butthurt. For that's real. how you know he's butthurt because <laughs> and because if if we're being honest here, um, I I do. Personally, I, I like Jay Z better as an artist. Mm-hmm. But um, if we're being honest here, Ether is just four minutes of just fucking uh, Ether is the only word for it. it it's ether. so bad that it coined the the song was so harsh that it coined the term for bad diss tracks. Or, yeah. or and it might be the only time in history. Where, it might be the only time in history where Jay Z broke, broke character. It's the only the, time. The in only history. time you ever see that. Only time. You you talking shit about the dawn? The Don? I couldn't even say that without <laughs> cracking up a little bit. Because <laughs> um, that's who he is. Like, he's he's supposed to be the, the I mean, godfather of I mean, rap, the fact that know? he survived that, is, I, still, I still respect that. Most people he's, don't survive. And then the his out. career came out spectacularly. Yeah, like, and it, yeah. yeah, like right at the Blueprint 2, he had fucking the, the Black the Album. The Black Album, which is arguably the best album of his career. You sure about that? I'll say I, Reasonable Doubt. I think that... No I'd say Reasonable Doubt is <laughs> no pretty freaking great, dude. I really love Can't Knock the Hustle. Yeah, man, to be honest, slaps. The, the, his three slaps. best albums, yeah. most people can agree that his three best albums are uh, Reasonable Doubt, The Blueprint, and The Black Album. Yeah. But it's pretty much all of those have gotten 
pretty much equal Big. high critical acclaim, yeah. and you can pretty much pick any of them. I personally like Reasonable Doubt the best because it's got those 90s beats. He's got DJ Premier on there. He's got, you know, Ski on there. He's got all kinds of, you know, classic 90s producers on there. He's got his most lyrically dense verses on there. Like, uh, uh, The Evils has got, it's just... Oh, The Evils. It's so, it, it's so like, meticulously written. There are just, uh, every line is, like, some kind of metaphor about, you know, where he came from or some kind of wordplay. It's just a really dense song. And most of Reasonable Doubt is like that. And then, you know, Blueprint kind of has that poppy appeal. All of the songs are catchy. You know, he kind of goes back to his roots and he tells some stories from when he was young. And then the Black Album is his, like everything together here where it's not as dense as reasonable doubt but he does hearken back to the the sort of meticulous writing style uh even if he's not rapping about the same things he rapped about he's kind of just rapping about all oh, i'm the best uh the beats to get this he he uh he got a different producer for every beat he wanted to get uh all of the best producers of the time uh he i think he had 14 15 tracks on there and uh each one was produced by a different like top producer of the time yeah. and he just kind of that was supposed to be his retirement album and that was like all right this is my all in one package it's also his shortest album too it's like 55 black album was yeah i i actually have a question for you too because i i this whole conversation got me thinking all right um my favorite albums usually do not coincide with my favorite tracks i have tons of artists bands whatever that my favorite track is usually off of one of the worst albums. Oh. And my favorite album usually doesn't contain a lot of my favorite tracks, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but, I can you know, that. I, I can do that because, product. yeah, yeah because I mean, my cohesion favorite, yeah. is more important. Than my that. favorite Jay-Z song is off. My favorite Jay-Z album is Politics As Usual. Politics Doubt. As Usual. Yeah. Classic. Probably yeah. That's probably my favorite Jay-Z yeah, song, that, too. That really? Amazing. Yeah. You know what mine is? What? And and say whatever you want. And I wanted to ask you your opinion on the album itself. And I know that some people don't really look at it as an album, but still. My favorite Jay-Z song is Fallen off oh. the American Gangster OST. It Yo, is, it is, American it is Gangster is fucking crazy. It is. We forgot that album. It's too. actually a really good album. Yeah. yeah, no, that's in his classic box. Too. That'd, be, that'd be the fourth one. I love that song. That song gives me chills to this day. I yeah, listen nah. to that song to this day. Oh, yeah. Day. They'll experience deja vu too. Like yeah, they're yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like it goes at the cyclical nature of of the rap game and the drug game and oh yeah, and, and pretty much any kind of thing that you're in where you know you you're the best for a time and, and there's always no matter what there's always going to be people underneath you who are going to innovate past you. And that chorus though, like I knew I shouldn't did that. Yeah. I know we're gonna we're fall right, right back. back. Yeah. New destroy everything I'm in. I yeah. love that. If yeah. we're talking Fucking beats, man, I think I like those beats more than I like the beats on Black Album personally. Like, yeah. Like I, sweet. I agree. Like party life. And what else is on there? Uh, no, what well, I know, I don't say no hook. Uh, what's the fucking like the first one? No, American Dreaming. American Dreaming. Oh, American that shit Dreaming. is crazy. Yeah, that's oh, actually. Wow. Yeah, that shit's. In the, the last song, I think it's called American Gangster. That, that's like the perfect fucking outro. That's like the last. For all of you who don't know, American Gangster is Jay Z's. What's uh, what's it? What's that? Like his, his, his 10th album. Um, he has a lot of fucking. He has albums. a lot of. Albums. Got, yeah, probably somewhere around, around there. Yeah, but it came out yeah. 2007. Uh, you need a degree in Rockefeller studies. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of served as like the soundtrack to the movie American Gangster. Yep. And um, it's probably the last time we ever got to hear great Jay Z. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a tall statement, but like, I get behind. As an album, as an album, because on um, Blueprint Three you got a couple great verses. Yeah. And, uh, What's your favorite song on Blueprint Three? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
I probably said it's my favorite as well. Dude, that shit is so dope. Thank you. It. Thank you is the best one lyrically, where he's got that that verse at the end where he just kind of gets you know gets back into his old like rhyme schemes and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, and he just kind of destroys some of these guys. Least favorite off Blueprint three. <sighs> like half the songs. <laughs> yeah, I think that there are a lot, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, you forever know, young bombs on there for the, the forever young remix, whatever it was. It might be the Venus versus Mars. Venus versus yeah, oh, that's that the worst was one. Awful, yeah. worst one. Yeah, yeah, that one. Easily. Is that the one with Jeezy? No, uh, Jeezy was the, was like uh, the one the, was real. I think, yeah, that one. Like that. The shit with Kanye hate. That's just corny. Hate is terrible. Um, Reminder is pretty bad. Yeah, I don't really like that one either. Like, it's I, a I good like radio the chorus, the chorus yeah. is just so uh, on reminder. Yeah. It's just so cheesy with yeah, the pitched no, up right. reminder, reminder. I hated that. Yeah. Yo, did you ever get around to hearing Magna Carta? His last album. You know, honestly, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you here. I was gonna, <laughs> and then I listened to like a couple of songs. Yeah. And then I just kind of said, oh well, I'll get back to it later. Yeah, this is most lyrically flat out. It wasn't. It, yeah. Like he didn't it, give it a fuck. It came out of nowhere. He said, hey, here you go. This is it. I'll go into retirement again. And it's like, all right, well, thanks, Jay-Z. I guess I'll check this out someday. Yeah, I think there's like one song on there that's like good. Yeah. Out of 15 or 14. He, he's pushing that Illuminati thing way too hard. The, he is. The whole like divine freaking Papal State bullshit. <laughs> the thing is, going on. like he knows that people think he's part of the Illuminati and he knows it's ridiculous, but he also knows that it kind of adds a um, a, a mystique and like a kind of a it puts grandness. a layer to his career. It adds adds kind of a grandness uh, and a mystique to his aura. I think. I mean, the, the man basically owns New York, right? Yeah, you can say that. I mean, he. That uh, was sarcasm. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't own New York, but in terms of hip hop, there's been a trope. I mean, at one point, but if you ask Kendrick Lamar, he's the king of New York. I mean, he, that's what Kendrick Lamar said. Jam. Kendrick Lamar said he's the king of New York. Yeah, he claimed Kendrick, that 2013. Yeah, that's what he said. He's not even from New York, but he but he dares a rapper to challenge him on that. I mean, no one's gonna. I'll, I'll challenge him on that. I don't know any New York. I'll, I'll go on a Jay Z like head to head freestyle yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. If Jay Z dissed Kendrick Lamar, man. This shit would be Dude, over. If, if like, Jay Z just the Thunderblack, we'd get tons of viewers. That'd be pretty. Yeah, that's dope. true. That'd yeah. be awesome. But what would he say about us? Like, he would yeah, just call us a bunch of nerds. Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> but um, so I think we were at some point today going to get into the new Frank Ocean album. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna be getting into Frank Ocean. I think before we get into the new album, I want to you know briefly discuss uh the stuff that he's done before that. Oh, and what, uh, you nostalgia? Know, maybe what we think about, you know, nostalgia or Channel Orange. Uh, to and Coming up to this album, it just, just before I even get into Blonde, I want to say that Channel Orange and, you know, me being a new listener, I was born in 1993, and, you know, maybe the classics for me weren't the same classics uh, uh, as they were for, you know, maybe earlier hip-hop listeners. But for me, Channel Orange and Nostalgia Ultra are two of my favorite albums. Yeah, for, well, even though Nostalgia Sir. Ultra is technically a mixtape, not even technically, it is a mixtape. Right. Um, I mean, projects. You know, yeah, yeah. When I came, like my introduction to Frank Ocean, like I heard him through like Odd Future, like the Tyler Creator songs, and right. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, he has a good voice or whatever. But I never really like, I wasn't, I didn't latch on to it at first. I was just like, yeah, whatever, Odd Future. I didn't, I wasn't really a big fan of them like that. Like I seen like uh, people like, yo, man, Tyler's dope. You know, he's like talking shit to Bruno Mars. I'm like. Yeah, whatever. Well, I mean, it's not hard to talk shit to Bruno Mars. Yeah, yeah, but like when the way Tyler, Tyler the Creator got on, I wasn't like too interested at first. Yeah, and then like he's he's abrasive. 
Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah, no, like, I like him more now than I did when he first got on. Um, but that's I don't what I know feel if I like him anymore after Cherry Bomb, but that's a, that's another uh, story. Go on. Okay. Yeah, that's not a good album, though. But some good, there's some good songs on there. Um, But like I said, um, when I first heard Nostalgia Ultra, it was probably like 2012, early 2012, maybe like January 2012. And I just downloaded it for some reason off that piff. I'm like, yeah, let me give this a listen. I think I was just bored. And I heard it. I was like in the grocery store with my mom in Stop and Shot. And I'm like, holy shit. What the fuck is this? And then right. f- from that point on, for like the next few months, till like Channel Orange came out, because Channel Orange wasn't out yet, I was playing that shit every day. I'm like, yo, this dude is something special. I'm like, yo, this is fucking amazing. Like, right. Nova Kane, Strawberry, oh, like even Nova like, Kane? yeah, Nova Kane is, yo, Strawberry Swing, like fucking, even Coldplay came out in appreciation of him covering their song. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Doc, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, but no, um, I actually came in very late to the Ocean game. I came. I listened to Channel Orange first, mm-hmm. right? And then I, I thought that was it. I thought it was Odd Future, and then Channel Orange, and then Yellick over here tells me that there's there's a mixtape. So it's in the mixtape. But what, my first impression of Frank Ocean as an artist, not as like a collective member of Odd Future, was I was chilling out with my friend Kiernan. He says, hey, dude, have you heard this song Pyramids by Frank Ocean? That shit's ridiculous. My first song yeah. by Frank Ocean was Pyramids. Yeah. yeah. And then he transitions from that, oh, you like that? Let me show you Pink Matter. <laughs> oh, man. So I just, yeah. I mean, I I guess, you know, it's kind of hard for me to say that I've been on the train since the beginning because I wasn't. Yeah. But when it began for me. You I was I was fanboy immediately. Yeah, I was, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, you yeah, us too, man. However, yeah. my favorite song, and and feel free to fight me on this because I will I will slay you on it. Forrest Gump. Forrest I love Gump. that song. That's I one of my favorites. I love there. Forrest Gump. It's a crazy yeah. dope song. I love that shit too. Um, yeah, yeah. When Channel Orange came out, I wasn't like too into albums yet. I was just like a casual listener. I listened to. I'm like, yo, I could really. Listen to every song. Like yeah, I'm right? like, yo, every song is fucking dope. I think yeah. the only song I didn't like off Channel Orange might have been Sierra Leone, and it wasn't even like not liking it. It's just I, I could skip over it and not care. Oh man, that's one of my favorites. I fucking really? love Sierra Leone. Yeah, right. And yeah. It, and one of my favorites too. Yeah, I love that one. Um, and then like after so people who don't know too much about Frank Ocean. So Channel Orange drops in 2012, and then a couple years go by, 2014. Someone asked him on Tumblr, when's the album coming out? He's like, around the summertime. Oh, 2014. 2014. 2014. said around summertime. I got to say, or, or, or what, were you going to get into that blonde um, at all? I was going to segue to that. Okay. Well, before you get to that, um, I, I, I just want to say, for me, uh, F- Frank Ocean is a frustrating artist because there's nothing that kind that really approximates him. Um, where I, I was, I got really into Nostalgia Ultra. I listened to that one first and yeah. then I got into Channel Orange. I'm, I'm thinking like late 2012, early 2013, yeah. that era. Um, and I, I hopped on it a little bit late. Uh, but I, I love those albums so much immediately. It was just an immediate payoff. I really like how this sounds. Um, I can really get behind the lyrics. You know, he's obviously a thoughtful lyricist. He's obviously got a knack for melody. Um, he's obviously got a knack for like, you know, musical aesthetic. And 
uh, and those are my initial impressions of it. But then after, you know, those albums kind of, you know, wore themselves away where I listened to them enough. What do you, I don't want to sound ignorant here, but where do you go from there? Uh, I, I, I kind of, I'm somewhat familiar with the, uh, the R and B genre, but if you're going purely by genre, you look at his genre, which is R and B, you type in R and B, you're rarely going to get a song. That's not about like, you know, girl, you so fine. So like (laughs) there's not really anything. Yeah. So there's not really anything that approximates Frank Ocean, not within his genre. And that's, and that's why he's such a frustrating artist. And, And that's why people have been so, uh, well, antsy to hear his next. To uh, be completely album. honest with you, not not to spoil anything, because I want to go song by song with this, just because right. I, I, spoilers, I absolutely fell in love with this album. Yeah, it is. It's one of my top. I don't know if it's top five, top ten, top three. I don't know what it is yet, but it's top. But it's something special. Oh, it... it Talk about Blonde, right? It touched me in a place I haven't been touched since childhood. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really think, you know, you're saying, oh, nothing really approximates him. Um, you know, where do you go from here? How do you how do you define your career? Frank Ocean, to me, has never been an artist who, who focused too heavily. Like we were talking about Jay-Z. Right. We talk in Jay-Z... We talk in terms of Jay-Z as a career, not as a person. Yeah. We, we talk about an image as a character. You know, you even James Flynn says, oh, he broke character during the Ether uh, days. Yeah. I don't see Frank Ocean like this. And, you know, that's very rare for me not to see an artist in, in the sense of them being an artist. I see Frank Ocean kind of as a person, and I think it's because of his music. Yeah. And this album really solidified that. Uh, especially the last few tracks, the la- the the second half of the album where he gets extremely personal and like very blunt and very short, fast bursts. And you kind like if you're just kind of trolling through the first half of the album, and you're like la di da. Okay, new Frank Ocean. This is yeah. nice. You're gonna get slammed that second half of the album with some real heavy shit. Yeah, no, it gets dense towards the back half of the album. It's not, honestly just like it's completely different. Once once like that uh once solo ends, mm-hmm. that whole back half is completely different from the first half. Oh yeah. Like when I'm listening to it, it almost feels like two different albums. I mean, ju- just to just to preface here, even in the final song, he'll tell you like he, it's like he's actually speaking to the listener. He says partway through the the first two minutes, he says, "You can just turn this off now if you don't want to listen to this." Yeah, yeah, because it's nothing really. <laughs> yeah, you say, "Yeah, yeah, you should. You could turn it off now. You should have been turned it off or something like that." Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that like, when was the last time you heard that? Yeah, that's like the the, the like the antithesis and antithesis of like you know egotistical self serious. You know, maybe he just Artist. smoked too much DMT. I don't know, man, but I, I love it. I love what Frank Ocean did with this album. It was a, a masterpiece. It was a magnum opus. Fantastic. So let's get into it. Okay. Um, I want to say uh, first, uh, for me, initially, CJ, and, or uh, rather James Flynn and I, uh, we listened to the album the first night that it came out. It was a oh, Saturday wow. night, and, uh, and, and, you know, we had no idea. You know, we were just hanging out. You know, it's just a regular night. Next thing you know, there's news. Someone posts on Twitter or something like that. New Frank Ocean album's out. Immediately. Yeah, exactly. Immediately (laughs) we stop what we're doing and find it, right? So, um, 
my first impression was was of Nike's, and initially, Nike's to me is the least appealing track on the album. It's it's not what you're looking for from Frank Ocean. If you're looking for these these tight melodies uh, from Channel Orange and and you know this kind of storytelling sort of writing, and next thing you know, uh, this this kind of simple trappy beat comes on, and Frank Ocean is just kind of like talking in a pitched up voice about some random shit and you're like what is this but overall now now uh, after these few weeks nike's has to be honest come become one of my favorite songs on the album and it, it just kind of sets the atmosphere so well mm-hmm. it, rather than really paying attention to what he's saying uh, following it as a story it's kind of getting um you know, kind of immersed in the aesthetic of it before you plunge into the real content of the album, uh, especially near the end where he kind of just like there's a wake up call where he starts singing in his normal register and it's kind of like a lot louder than uh, than the previous pitched up vocals had been and you're like, oh okay, here he is. You know, I, I gotta I gotta agree with that simply because when I when I started listening to him, I'm like, all right, he's going somewhere different. He's right. going somewhere that I, I haven't heard Frank Ocean before. Right. Because. In comparison to to Channel Orange, I'm not even gonna touch uh, Nostalgia Nostalgia Ultra right now. Yeah, right. because Nostalgia Ultra to me, it felt good. I loved listening to it. Yeah, but simply because a lot of the beats were already established songs. Yeah, like American Wedding. Yeah, um, it kind of, you know, feel free to hate me, but it. it kind of took away a lot of the originality and I didn't look at a lot of songs the way I might have looked at them if they had original production. Yeah. However, I still appreciated them for what they were. I still appreciated what he did with that production. Yeah, I think that's why people yeah. put mixtapes below albums. Yeah, because I agree. of that. Agreed. Yeah, um, shit, man. But my, my whole point in saying that is uh, between the last two albums and Blonde, there is a dark difference in the composition of, of the beats and the production right. because everything else was very funky, very tight, very deliberate, and and just it had some meat to it. You know what I'm saying? It, it right. had a lot of meat and flavor and you, you felt it. Deliberate melodies. Deliberate melodies. And this album has a lot of ethereal kind of ghostly electric kind of like you really get the feeling that Frank Ocean is just floating through space and he's just passing out these fucking ideas that cross his <laughs> yeah, mind. That's exactly the uh, the impression that I got on my first listen. Yeah. Uh, that I, I kind of felt... It, it was almost overwhelming by the end. Uh, this this kind of just... This, this overbearing just slowness and just, you know, ethereal synths going on in the background and, you know, his voice almost always has some kind of really layered effect on it. And you... It's just kind of compared to Channel Orange, if you've if you've never heard it before, it can be overwhelming because there's not a lot of things that you can really, like I said before, approximate this to. Um, it, it every listen beyond that, it, when I kind of got used to it and I was able to sort of focus on each song as its own uh, piece within the piece, um, I, I grew to appreciate it even more. At first, I kind of liked it, but I like Channel Orange more for for its tightness. Um, and, and it's just kind of 
deliberate melodies and and deliberate storytelling and stuff like that. I was kind of looking for something like that. But when I kind of took away those expectations and looked at it for what it was, uh, that's when I really started appreciating it and yeah. looking at each I, song for I what think it that's was. the only way to really enjoy this album is that Blonde is not Channel Orange. Right. You have to completely separate it from it. Because like when I first, oh, totally different. When I first heard it, but we heard it at the same time, Ivy came on. Oh. And I was like... Oh, Ivy's easily amazing. Ivy's, Ivy's honestly at this point now. If you ask me today, it's probably my favorite song on there. Right. I love that song so fucking much. Oh, as soon as it starts, you just feel the shit in your chest. You have that. It's like it. It, it almost seems like a nod to Nostalgia Ultra to me yeah, because like, it has that nostalgic like, feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, like start like like songs like Strawberry Swing, but you can feel that shit as soon as it starts. That's how I feel about most of the songs on this album. Like the right. whole time, you just it's like in this emotional fucking world. Like like songs like Self Control, like the ending with like the fucking singing comes in like i know you gotta leave that shit is fucking crazy yeah oh man and then shit like right. solo we got like the, the i feel like his singing improved too on this album you know what i'm saying like i feel like on channel orange is more flat and not not so emotive as it is on this one you know what i mean i can see that that he put more effort into just kind of going into different like you, you, yeah, know, you can really like yeah stuff. you can like feel these songs like like a song like super rich kids or pyramids like you can enjoy you know it's a dope song but you're not really like feeling it the way you feel like a ivy or self-control or like siegfried or white ferrari yeah mm. i feel like he he kind of dabbled into the in this uh in this sort of feeling on pink matter yeah on Be- channel orange that's the closest you'll get yeah um, I mean, yeah um bad religion a or little ba- bit yeah. or bad religion a little bit um but re but reason being for pink matter is because he kind of goes up to that really really high register yeah, that high pitch at uh, the end that really high pitch yeah, at yeah. the end the the beat is really slow and, and and you know ethereal um that's that's the closest to it and i know a lot of these songs were written and, and even composed as far back as 2013 2014 yeah. uh so he, you know, he's obviously been been plucking away at this album, plugging away at it for a long time, and uh, and I've got to say, you know, the product is worth it. It's worth the wait, man. It's worth, it's the, worth the wait. Worth the four year wait. Am I down for another four years for the for the next one? Probably not. But um, I mean, if it's just as good, who who, who really cares? I mean, exactly. yeah, right. now we got like three projects to hold us over, you know, or just Seriously. you know, if another artist makes some better shit, right? But you know, oh man. I, I really gotta listen to this shit at least like once a day. Like it's it's that good to me. Oh, and, like, yeah. like even some songs that I didn't even like at first, like not as much. Like the songs towards the back half, like uh, White Free, uh, White Ferrari, White Ferrari, White Ferrari. <laughs> White Ferrari, Siegfried, and Godspeed. Like I wasn't really feeling those songs too much, but I think with Godspeed, it, it kind of reminds me of what Chance the Rapper wish he could have done mm-hmm. on Coloring Book. And I kind of warmed up the Coloring Book now. I don't really mind it too much. I kind of like it, but. That shit is so amazing. I just love that one. The the, the closing track, I think he could have just not had that shit on there because it's kind of just there. Because when as soon as that one comes on, I just turn the album off. Like, I don't really listen to that four minutes of whatever the fuck he's talking about. Oh, really. that, like, weird little interview? Yeah, like, I, I don't really care to hear that. Like, maybe the first time... I thought time, it was interesting. I didn't really... I skipped ahead. I, <laughs> I like, clicked here and there just to see what he said and see if there was anything in there. But yeah, it, it was just a nice little... A little tidbit of, of Frank's personal life. And yeah, it's interesting, but like you know, yeah. the first time it's like watching. Like, how many times are you gonna watch an interview? You know, you only watch it one right. time, unless like you're just really captivated by what he's saying. Um, but also, like uh, one of these songs that people really liked that I'm kind of pushing towards the back now, but I still like it is uh, "Nights." 
but the one that has. I like was a, gonna say "Nights" is my favorite song on that. That's the like album. a like that's like for the that, Drake the Drake influence kind of song, and a lot of people like that one. Uh, probably because like the most. <laughs> it's like the most non-weird song because the rest of them are like yeah. so far out there. Like the other day, like you know the, the screaming shit at the end of Ivy? Yeah. Like that, yo, my fucking dad came in the room yesterday and that's the part he came in. He's like, what is this? If I'm, <laughs> that's the perfect time to come in on it. I might be a little desensitized, but I've seen a lot of people on the internet complaining about that part and I really, initially, awesome. I was never <laughs> even, I never even uh, uh, blinked an eye at it. I never, maybe I've been desensitized uh, by you know death grips and shit like that, but yeah. it is not. It doesn't come off to me as abrasive or or jarring in any way. Oh no, it sounds awesome. There's a lot. He does a lot of like weird voices on this shit. Like he does a bit on Nikes and uh, beginning of self control. Like poolside combo about just some. I thought that night. was cool. Yeah. I honestly thought that was a feature for a minute. Yeah, I don't, maybe yeah. it was. I mean, that's you know. I also got to talk about these features. It's like these little tiny tidbit features, like like on Pink and White, where Beyonce has the backing vocals at the end. Does she? Did that's, you? That's, did you, you know pick that? that did you? Like, I that? didn't even know. Yeah, that. that's Beyonce. Yeah. She has those little vocals. Those are Beyonce, yeah. And wow. Pink, Pink and White. I love that song so fucking that's much. That's a good song. With the fucking man. birds chirping and shit. Oh my! Like every line, it just sounds like just a beautiful fucking poem. Like every line, I'm just like, oh man! Like when I'm driving to work and I hear that song, I'm like, you know what? Today's gonna be a good day. Like that, that, that's just how I feel when I hear this song. Like it's, it hasn't lost its touch, and I've probably heard the song at least like thirty times. Can Can I just make a, a short observation about Nights, the song Nights? Yeah, yeah. Sure. So, when I was on my own, living in a, in a crappy little studio apartment in Windsor, Connecticut, I started researching a, a very small, very niche genre called Matroko, which was mostly production almost exclusively production and it was a very abstract kind of uh almost noise genre art project right and the it was a collective of artists mostly producing it and the main philosophy behind this sound was was to emphasize the emptiness and monotony of modern living in in urban living just urban living or just, just not like urban like you think about like an inner city or some shit but like like the modern society of of you get up and you punch the clock and you yeah. go out with everybody else and you know that that whole bit that everybody likes to harp on all the time but right it gave it a sound and i really appreciated what it sounded like it, it was it was very modern. It was very kind of high tech, yet take it. It was very reserved. It wasn't like a, a techno thing. It wasn't like an electronic thing. It was more like um, a nineties a, a internet thing. It was more like a, a, it's so hard to describe, but the production on nights, with the the electric sound, the esoteric sound, is so close to that. I can and see it's, that. It's complemented so well by the content of the song. Just kind of like the the synth itself is kind of just uh, less than resembling some kind of instrument, more resembling kind of like a a saturated tone. Yes, definitely. And and even outside of the production, the lyrics, the content. Yeah, where he's just talking about he's he's basically just talking about like the day to day, getting through his his life, you know, trying to to 
take out all these these frustrations and yeah. and still have fun and still like satisfy his needs and everything. Yeah. It's very animalistic. It's animalistic in contrast to the the modern setting that we find ourselves in. And I think it's an actual excellent commentary. Yeah, um, I I I think that uh, it, it's just kind of he's he's talking about the cycle of his life where he he it seems like he was working a night shift and it seems like he picks up his girlfriend and he hangs out with her during the day and she wants him to spend the night but he has to dr- actually just drop her off at her house and then go right to his job and then it's like every day and every night is just kind of you know this cycle where he just doesn't really have any time to himself or he. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just kind of this empty cycle of just picks up his girlfriend, you know, uh, he's with her all day, and then he goes, he works all night, and even and even at the end where he's like, every night fucks every day up, every day patches the night up. Right. You exactly. Know? It it's just so. When I talked about this album, really humanizing Frank Ocean. Um. This is the song that does it, I would say. It really just... It doesn't have to be about the the enormous heartbreak. It doesn't have to be about the enormous struggle. It doesn't have to be about him as an artist. It's just him doing him freaking just living life, having some problems, and just accepting it as the day-to-day. And, and that, you know, whether you're Frank Ocean or the dudes on the Sunderblock or, like, some dude working Subway... Yeah, you know, you you have that cycle, and it's yeah. it, you fall into a routine. Yeah, it, to me, it sounds like his uh, his attempt to break out of stagnancy. Uh, it just kind of his everyday uh, mundane attempt to break out of stagnancy, where it's like he's got this stuff going on, and he doesn't want to move forward. You hear a lot of songs where he's conflicted on relationships. On Siegfried, it seems like he's conflicted on whether he wants to live a normal life or not. Um, and he's got all these conflicts and it seems like he's just saying, especially, uh, I get this, this, uh, this sense, especially from the song Solo and Nights, where he's just kind of in this, this situation where he's, you know, hanging out with his girlfriend, you know, he's kind of, he's, you know, smoking weed, he's, you know, he's not really moving forward in his life. And it's because it seems almost like it's because he's scared to make these decisions. I'm not brave. He even screams out. Yeah. Siegfried, I'm not know? brave. Yeah. Yeah. He does say that. Yeah. And that really hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing we got to touch on is that three K verse. Oh yeah. Andre 3000. Is that solo? So now I'm <laughs> solo that I can see under the skirt of a eh. Yeah, man, I, I, that shit was fucking crazy. At first, I was like, what the fuck is this? And as I was listening to the song, I looked up, I'm like, okay, this has to be a feature. And as soon as I hit, like, as soon as I found the search function, mm-hmm. and it said Andre 3000, then he starts going in. Yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, he, as far as uh, metering goes, he's unmatched in hip-hop. Oh, totally. It was a fantastic, so, like... I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm not saying it was bad because it was very good. Right. I would not be surprised if Andre just gave him the verse and said, hey, here you go. Here's the verse. I just did it to do, do whatever you want with it. And even if Frank Ocean was like, I can't use it, but it's an Andre 3000 verse and I'll just throw it in. I wouldn't be mad at him. I can't think of anyone who's passing up on like a 3K verse. Right. Exactly. I, I hear he charges like 100,000 for a verse. Oh, jeez. I wonder if Frank Ocean even has that much money. I mean, He's got it. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I'm thinking of, oh, like, with someone like him, I don't think he charges, like, him for that. 
There's no, yeah. I feel like they Well, he did Pink Matter, so. Yeah, but I know. I feel like just with them, it might be like a. An artistic. Thing. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah, I respect this dude. I'll give him a verse. You know what I'm saying? He's a I mean, real. That's what I would do. Yeah, Andre 3000 is a real, you know, innovative, artistic guy, and he's proven himself to be that. And I think that he, if there's anybody who can appreciate uh, Frank Ocean's artistry, it, one of them is, is Andre 3000. Yeah, 20 years in, he still really hasn't fallen off at all. That's right. No signs of falling off. I mean, he hasn't had a, like an actual project right. in like 13 years. Maybe but, that's <laughs> what keeps him young. By not making music. Yeah. Well, I mean, all right, just as a quick aside, you know, if, if he doesn't show his aging, his his uh, his breaking down over time like Jay-Z does or, yeah. you know. Oh, whoever. yeah, that's true. Yeah, if he consecutively put out albums, to, obviously it would be some, some drop-offs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's just playing it smart. I feel like a, a lot of, just a quick little note on that here, I feel like a lot of artists spend most of their... Um, you know, their their childhood, their teen years, maybe their early 20s before they really get into it, absorbing influences. They absorb things. They absorb knowledge. They absorb the things of other artists. Uh, they, they absorb all kinds of things around them. They absorb uh, what they're going to use, uh, you know, to, to implement into their music. But once they get into the creation stage and once they get into, uh, you know, the artist stage where they're making albums and stuff, they're now out of of influence mode they're not in absorb mode anymore now they're in i'm going to take the influences that i've spent my childhood and my teen years and my 20s absorbing i'm going to take those influences i'm going to rearrange them in the best way i can and i'm going to kind of regurgitate them in my own way and uh, the first project the first few projects you know in some in the case of some artists only the first project ends up being spectacular because it's 30 you know 20 years in the making yeah. uh, all these all these influences coming in and then you can see them lose steam as that uh that ammo that that proverbial ammo so to speak um kind of starts to run out and and i think frank's got a point there where not making music has kept andre 3000 young where he's not you know releasing album after album he's still a listener he's still an absorber of the culture yeah. You know? So, uh, it, it, do you guys have anything else you'd like to say about the album? It's a great fucking album. It's Realistically, um, I feel like Pretty Sweet was a great song. The Facebook story I wanted to touch on a little bit. I don't know who told the Facebook story. It didn't sound like Frank because it had an accent. Uh, yeah, that was some, some French Russian motherfucker. Guy, some <laughs> Russian guy or something like that. European, clearly. Maybe Jamaican, I don't know. I don't think it was Jamaican. Um, well, not in the traditional sense, but, you know, Islanders do have different, it's not Caribbean or nothing, dude, but, uh, <laughs> check your privilege, but, um, you know, Facebook story, I, that was pretty relevant, I would say, and I really liked that, uh, just this random little tidbit of somebody's life where they go into a, a really bad relationship, something that was inherently toxic. And they talk about it because I feel like a lot of people, and myself included, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but a lot of people know that I've had a toxic relationship and I've engaged in toxic relationships. And um, when you're in that situation and somebody, you really care about somebody and they're sitting there telling you that what you're doing is wrong or what you're doing is is dangerous and they're going to leave you or you know whatever 
but you still feel like conflicted because on one hand you don't know what to do because you don't want to lose this person and you don't want to be a jackass but on the other hand you you feel like you have a good handle on what's right and wrong and yeah what's sane and insane yeah, yeah. and it's very easy to lose yourself in that gray area and i'm not saying to nullify it and just look at it in black and white yeah but that was just such i think personally as as a from a cultural standpoint in this age where we have you know just constant hookups and and really meaningless interpersonal uh communication you know just based on social media and in the way that people tend to treat each other nowadays, uh, more on the basis of ideology and politics and, and pleasure and what have you. Um, to have something so deeply personal and, and so terribly real. Right. It's, I thought it was just so completely necessary. Um, for the song? For the song, for the album... Oh, uh, for for the listening base, like the listener base, the audience in general, because yeah. you know the people who listen to Frank Ocean tend tend to be uh, a little bit further removed than say springing it back a little bit. Uh, the games audience, yeah. yeah, and it's you know I wish I I heard that quick little one minute quip three years ago. Yeah, I mean my take on it was it's just like some guy was in some relationship with some girl. But she was like giving social media too much value, yeah. Because he didn't want us. She didn't want him. He didn't want to be friends with her on Facebook, so she got mad about that. Right. Exactly. But I guess my take is just Frank. That's just Frank indirectly saying like this social media shit is it, not real. Twitter isn't real. Yeah. Facebook isn't real. Instagram, but that shit doesn't exist. I think that's why he doesn't even have any social media outlet except Tumblr. But Tumblr's not really the same thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Tumblr's a little. Tumblr's basically just. GIFs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that shit's in the basement of social media to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's Frank was just saying. This so, what shit. you're basically saying is Frank Ocean's a huge fucking hipster. <laughs> that's what Frank Ocean is saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like she sees uh, life in general through so severely, through uh, the exclusively through the scope of social media, that even something as personal as a relationship. Uh, is made or made or broken based on social media, and 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 a lot of people are like that. And yeah, I, I think Frank Ocean is definitely uh, making a commentary on that uh, because he he very publicly deleted all of his social media pages except for maybe Tumblr. I'm not even sure if he has that anymore. Yeah, he still has Tumblr, but like I, I don't know if he like is active on that shit like that. Like, like I said, it's Tumblr. But yeah, I can't people really even say know. I have a real eye on Tumblr like, all the yeah, time. You like, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm like a huge fan of him. That's how I even know about that. But other than, like your, your casual blonde listener that probably doesn't even give a fuck that he has a Tumblr. About Tumblr? Yeah, right. like, no one right. cares about Tumblr. Right, yeah. You get that, you get that feeling in, in this album because we're all connected, pretty much me, you, basically everybody we know. And because he's not... You kind of get that. You really get that sense of isolation throughout the album, especially on on the song Siegfried, where really you can the the sense of isolation is so powerful on Siegfried that it's almost overwhelming. Uh, where all you really have are just these you know really reverby guitar plucks, and he's and he's singing through so much reverb that it sounds like he's just kind of far away on a lonely mountaintop and he's just kind of talking to you and only you. Mm, I, I definitely feel that. I totally, totally feel that. Um, 
you know, like I said, a lot of this is very more focused on Frank as a person, right. as an individual, not as an artist, not as a career, not as a character. And really, I don't know how many times I can say it, but it really just comes down to his experiences and uh, his emotions and, and what he's putting out there for people to see. Mm-hmm. Like I said, last track, you can turn it off now. This is really just me thanking people. This is really just me getting into my emotions and, and myself. And if you want to stick around for that, that's cool. But I know that you got places to be. Mm-hmm. I know that you probably don't really give a shit. You're just here for the good music. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so, and, and another thing you were saying, like, uh, about how, you know, Jay Z is sort of like a character, and then Frank is more like, you, when you're listening to Frank, you feel like he's like, he's, one of, he's like one of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like your friend and just making music. Like, the yeah. humility in his music is, is like, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, when you listen to the music, it's like, he's, he, this album is your struggle, too. He you doesn't take it too seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, if you hear, like, like Kanye or, like, you know, like you said, Jay Z, it's almost like you listen to some mythical figure that you really can't, like, directly relate to. You know what I'm saying? But I, I get like the polar opposite with Frank. Yeah. So uh, uh, what are we what are we looking at for scores here? For scores? Right. Oh, wow. I'm going to go out and say, man, it's some bullshit. But I think this shit's a 10, man. I like every... I like every song. I, I could put put this up there with like To Pimp a Butterfly, fucking, you know, Mad Villainy, songs like that. <laughs> No, I, you could put it in that let's, class. Let's hold on a minute there, Buckaroo. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it an, another little while before I can put it in that class, just because. I mean, well, something like for to for for example, to pimp a butterfly is so perfect in every category. Whereas I just mean like classic albums, like that, that was just an example. But for me, like okay. any album that I ever thought was classic, I thought it like not too far after I heard it a couple times. Yeah. Like when I heard to pimp a butterfly first time I heard, it, I'm like, yo, it's better than Command City. First listen. But that doesn't always work like that for every single album. But just, I would put it there. I think it's better than Channel Orange. And, and just based off the acclaim that Channel Orange got, like, a lot, almost, almost like, it's like unanimous, you know, thing. People think Channel Orange is a classic. And I think that this is just a little, a little bit better yep. than Channel Orange. So I don't see why not it wouldn't be in that club. Yep. Um, but I know, it, like, things have to stand the test of time. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, I don't think it's perfect. A uh, few things. I really... What what kind of caught me at first and still kind of catches me is I don't really like the mixing that much on Ivy. Something about it seems kind of cluttered um, and, and muddy to me. Uh, that that's just one thing that kind of that detracted a, a little bit from me. I think that during the the not all the way at the end where Siegfried is, but in in kind of the middle to the end where Facebook story and you know the skit before White Ferrari and White Ferrari, it gets a little bit samey there. And uh, you know I still appreciate each song as as an individual, and I and I still like every song on here pretty much. Yeah. Um, but it's not to me. It wasn't perfect, but it, it's definitely it earns a nine out of ten. I I really dig the narrative. I really like his writing on here. I really like what he's doing musically on here. And 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 not and a score. Uh, and let's get this straight here. A score is not how much I'm going to listen to it or how much I'm going to enjoy it. It's my uh, it's it's my uh, my analysis based on what I know about music. And I I could go back. Uh, I could write an album six out of ten and still go back and listen to it a bunch of times because i like a lot of the songs on it because they're you know they're fun or catchy so i i don't want you to think those two things are are you know related or they are related but i don't want you to think that they're the end-all be-all of to each other because i'm 
while I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10, it is going to end up being probably the most enjoyable album for me for this year and maybe for the next few years. Well, I guess it comes down to me, huh? Right. Well, I tend to rate rather conservatively. Um, I'm very negative and pessimistic as a person, so... Hey, it adds a dynamic to the show. Oh, totally, yeah. No, I'm not saying that like I'm getting down on myself, but what I mean is I, I tend to look at things on a... You know, if Flynn is hitting this shit at a 10, you might expect me to put it as at an 8. <laughs> and uh, so far, I think I've rated lowest every project. Every single time. Yeah, yeah, I've always rated lowest. <laughs> and I'm really... It's so hard. It is so freaking hard to put this on a numeric scale because personally I don't think a 10 exists because that's personal preference yeah it's subjective you know it's subjective but I mean if that's your you know your verdict I respect it so here's what I'm gonna say I think for what Frank was going for and I think with what I got from it as a project and you know out of enjoyment and stylistically and everything I'm going to give it a 9.5 only because it doesn't fit my personal preference of the perfect album and I don't even know what that is but 9.5 but you know it when you hear it I'll, I will know it when I hear it but until then 9.5 man alright man yeah okay uh, so it, w- that concludes this episode of the Sunderblock um, join us next time we do not know what album we're going to be reviewing, but we will be reviewing a hip-hop album, and we will be talking shit about some rappers, and we will be talking shit about some hip-hop news, so tune in next week. 